0: Welcome to the Equipress Church Budapest podcast. We hope today's message will encourage and inspire you. For more information, check equipresschurch.hu Friends, uh, we are in a faith series. Uh, Our summer series is about faith. We're preaching about faith. Um, And, you know, faith is an important subject in the Bible. And there is a lot to talk about when we Uh, Speak about faith. Uh, It's uh, the substance of everything we have in God. Uh, Everything we receive from God comes through faith. Uh, And so tonight, um, I actually uh, want to emphasize this subject. And my, my title for tonight is Overcoming Faith. Can you say this with me? Overcoming Faith. Victorious Faith. Overcoming faith. Uh, You know, sometimes we get excited in the beginning of our trip with God. In the beginning of our journey with God. In the beginning of our miracle. And we set out with faith and expectation. But oftentimes we get tired. We are tested. You know, we lose breath on the way. And sometimes we lose faith on the way. And there is a real danger to actually give up just shortly before the miracle happens. We are told by um, experts that most, um, most accidents happen just shortly before the destination. Just shortly before they arrive to their destination, most accidents happen then. So it's important not to lose faith, even though you have lost your way. It's important not to lose your faith. Uh, And so the subject for tonight, I believe is very important for many of us. You know, many of us have been on this journey with God for years. For me, I started with God when I was just nine years old, a little boy, uh, growing up in a Christian family. I dedicated my life to Jesus when I was nine years old and I was filled with the Holy Spirit at the age of 12, uh, just um, at the age of 10, sorry. Uh, a beautiful encounter with the Holy Spirit Uh, and it's been a great journey but sometimes along the way you know the enemy wants to steal what is the most precious part of that inheritance and that is your faith and uh, so uh, you know I like to say that faith is the conviction about the things we do not see that's from Hebrews chapter 11 faith is the conviction about the things we do not see. Amen? Can I hear an amen tonight? But overcoming faith is the conviction about the things we still do not see. Let me say that again. Faith is a conviction about the things we do not see. But overcoming faith is a conviction about things we still do not see. You've been waiting and waiting and struggling and and fighting your fight and you still do not see uh, the end result. You still do not see the answer prayer and you still have the conviction that is overcoming faith. You know, the level of faith that is needed for the beginning is not enough for the ending. The level of faith that is there for the beginning, for starting, for the, for the beginning of the journey, for the, for the beginning of the miracle is oftentimes not sufficient for the finishing. And uh, that's why I love the fact that Jesus is the author and he's also the finisher of our faith. This is another place where you can say amen. amen. He's the author and he is the finisher of our faith. And so overcoming faith is like another level, another dose, another dimension in your lifestyle of faith. Um we we need the, the 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 we need the faith for the beginning like the mustard seed. We need the faith for the initial breakthrough when you step out. You need faith for that. But you also need the faith to finish, to complete, to come to the finish line. And that is the overcoming faith that I want to talk about tonight. And I will go into a story in the Bible in just a second about this type of overcoming faith. Uh, But if you are taking notes just in the beginning, I'm going to give you a few scriptures, I'm not going to look them up, Uh, but if you're taking notes, you can. This is for your own study later tonight. Uh, uh, James chapter two, verse 22 talks about that faith is completed by works, you know, uh, faith is completed by works. In other words, uh, when you have just faith and you don't have action, that kind of faith, it's, it's kind of dead. For faith to be complete, it has to be followed by action, by deeds, by a step. It, faith has to be practical. You know, some Christians tend to be super spiritual. Everything is just in their head and in theory. But God loves uh, the person who is acting out the faith, you know, steps out into the unknown. You may remember the story of Peter getting out of the boat. That's the faith we are talking about. You know, those others in the boat, they had the theory. They had the right theology. They even had the revelation of Jesus, but they didn't have the action of faith. So, faith has to be completed by works. That is the overcoming faith. And I believe that you know, God is inviting us personally, but also corporately as a church, on this faith journey. Not to, not to just begin by faith, but also to complete by faith, to overcome by faith. In Hebrews 10, this is not a scripture for you to mark, Hebrews 10, verse 38. You know, it says that uh, the righteous will live by faith will have a lifestyle of faith will be awakened into life by faith and it it, it uh, actually goes back to Abraham who was justified by faith so that is very important for us to be to be actually constantly on this faith journey because the just the righteous help me out will Live by faith. There is a lifestyle of faith. You start by faith, you finish by faith, and you live by faith along the way. Okay, here is another one, Hebrews 12, verse 2. I actually mentioned that already, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. It says that Jesus is the perfecter or the finisher of our faith. He is, he is in the beginning, but he is also the finisher, the perfecter of our faith. He wants to take you through the journey of faith and see you at the finish line. He wants to see you there. He wants to welcome you at the finish line. He wants to say these things about me at the end of my journey. Well done, good and faithful servant. Those are the words I want to hear at the end. Because Jesus is the completer. He's the finisher of our faith. Somebody should get excited. 2 Timothy 1.12, another scripture for you to write down. 2 Timothy 1.12. The Bible says that he will guard what he has has given us. He is going to guard it until the end. Jesus is going to preserve. He's going to guard what he has given you all the way until the end. That is overcoming faith. In the book of Psalms 84 verse 7, it says that we go from strength to strength. We do that by faith. From one testimony to another testimony. From one experience with God to another experience with God. From one encounter with Jesus to another encounter with Jesus. And we do that by faith. We do it by overcoming faith. And here's the last one. It's in the book of James, in the first chapter, verses 2 through, two through 4. It says that faith is actually tested in trials. And then it becomes complete, because your faith will be tested. If you have ever had a testimony, how many of you have ever had some kind of a testimony with Jesus? What are the first four letters of that word? Testimony. Test. You are incredibly smart in the first row. Thank you, Jesus. The first four letters of a testimony is a test. Every testimony is actually a miracle that came out of a test. So faith is tested until completion. And so I just want to stir your expectation tonight as we go into the main scripture tonight. And this is where we're going to, beginning, going to begin to preach now. Uh, we'll go into a beautiful story in the book of Matthew. Uh, tell your neighbor, it's the first uh, book in the New Testament. Matthew 15. Matthew 15. <clears throat> Thank you, Jesus. And Father, we just pray that you would release a new dose of faith in the house tonight. Oh, yes, Lord. Release a new, fresh dose of faith tonight. Yes. Come on. Amen. Beautiful story. Matthew 15, verses 21 through uh, 28. Matthew 15, 21 through 28. Leaving that place, Jesus withdrew to the region of Tyre and Sidon. He went away to the region of Tyre and Sidon. Jesus uh, went for a vacation. I hear the word vacation. I'm starting a vacation tomorrow morning, church. I've been looking forward to this since Christmas. My vacation begins tomorrow morning. And we're going to Balaton, but I'm not telling you where. (laughs) I'm deleting my social media for two weeks. Jesus did that. And I'll, I'll talk about what he did there. It's actually an amazing thing. He went to the region of Tyre in Sidon. He withdrew. He went away. He needed to just be by himself. We all need that at times. Come on. We need to refresh. We need to replenish. Most of you are superheroes, but you still need to recharge. Jesus needed that time. And behold, a Canaanite woman from that region came out, uh, crying out, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on me. This is an amazing prayer, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. And she said, my daughter is demon possessed and suffering terribly. Jesus did not answer a word. How many of you have ever had this kind of experience with God? You pray, you pray, pray, you, you scream at God and he doesn't say a word. Maybe you're more spiritual. Jesus did not answer a word, so his disciples came to him and urged him. This is intercessory prayer. He says, send her away, for she keeps crying. Like she's nagging us. She's disturbing us. Help her out. Some of us need to be in that prayer team. Did you know we have a prayer ministry in the church? These are the disciples that tell Jesus, Jesus, help this lady because she's been crying for so long. And so the woman, uh, he answered, well, I was only sent to the lost sheep of Israel. And then the woman came and she knelt before him, Lord, help me, she said. He replied, it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Yes, it is, she said, but even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. This is what Jesus says, even what what the lady says, even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And then Jesus answered and he said to her, oh, woman, great is your faith. I'm, I'm so amazed that... Twice in the Bible, Jesus actually commented on the faith of the person, twice, and both times it was the, it was the Gentiles, both times it was the Gentiles. Here, she was a Sy- Syrophoenician, a Canaanite woman, and in the other case, it was a Roman Centurion, when Jesus was amazed by the faith of the person. And so Jesus said, Oh woman, great is your faith. Be it done for you as you desire. And her daughter was healed instantly. Well, here are a couple of points. I have five points for tonight. Number one Are you ready for number one? Jesus relaxed in a pagan environment. Jesus relaxed in a pagan environment. Can you help me out? Just say this with me. Jesus relaxed in a pagan environment. Now we go to Balaton. Jesus went to Phoenicia, Sidon and Tyre. Now you may not know, I'm going to give you a little bit of geography because you don't really remember from your history class where Phoenicia was. How I many of you remember Phoenicia? Like two incredibly intelligent people in the house. So you may remember that Phoenicians, uh, they were incredibly intelligent. They invented the alphabet. You use your alphabet every day. These guys invented the alphabet. Not only that, but they were incredible sailors. They would sail all around Africa and even to Europe, to Britain without navigation. They navigated just by the open sky, by the stars. They were incredibly intelligent, but they were also uh, very pagan, uh, very occult. Uh, They worshiped all kinds of gods, um, such as Dagon and Baal and Asherah. And they would practice temple prostitution and uh, even human sacrifices. They were incredibly evil in their spirituality, very sinful in their spirituality. And also the, the um, kind of the worst or the least famous or infamous um, queen from the Bible came from Phoenicia. Her name was Jezebel. So um, it's not a very positive place in the Bible. And where does Jesus go for vacation? He goes to Phoenicia. I love the fact that Jesus relaxed in a pagan environment. Uh, You know, uh, for me, it is a clear signal that Jesus is not afraid of contamination. That he didn't avoid the sinner. He, He didn't avoid the difficult places. Jesus was okay with going to difficult places. He was okay to go into these sinful places and just to meet, you know, the Gentiles, the pagans, the people that worship the idols, the people that worship the sky, the people that were full of the demonic and the occult. He was okay with that. He came to that place and, you know, light shines in the darkness. Light is the brightest in the darkness. Did you know that? Light shines the brightest in the darkness. So Jesus, he loved to go to those places. And here, I love the fact that Jesus, he relaxed in a pagan environment. See, holiness in you is more powerful than any kind of sin and evil in the world. Holiness in you is more powerful than any kind of sinful culture. Jesus was more fed up by the religious critics than the hungry pagans. I love this. Jesus was more fed up with the religious people who were constantly rejecting and criticizing than the people from from Tyre and Sidon and Phoenicia who were hungry, spiritually starved. See, I love this about Jesus. I think there is a, there's a signal for us as Jesus followers. God needs us in those places. That's why we are not an isolated community. Equippers is not an isolated community. We are not a monastery. Are you happy for that? We're not a convent. We're not a monastery. We don't live in isolation. We don't live at the island. We go... We step out, we live surrounded by Phoenicians. Okay, that's the point number one. Here's the second thing. This mother that came to Jesus, she could not protect her daughter from the demons. The mother, this lady, she couldn't protect her daughter uh, from the demons. not sure there's probably a couple of parents in the room and uh you may understand what she must have been going through imagine this lady this mother seeing her daughter suffer maybe for years imagine how she would look at the pain of her child and and just she couldn't help her now um uh, You know, it was the whole environment was full of demonic activity. Uh, There were curses, there were sicknesses, there were oppressions for many generations, generation after generation. They'd be worshiping the sky, the demons, the queen of heaven. And there was from generation to generation, just so many, so many occult practices and she lived. In the middle of that, she raised her daughter in the middle of that. Probably, spiritism and occultism went from generation to generation, like an avalanche. You know, as parents, we always want the best for our kids. Amen? We always want the best for our children. And we never want them to suffer as we did. We want the best for them. But at times, even as parents, as good parents, we cannot prevent our kids from experiencing difficult stuff. Only Jesus can do that, and He did, and He will. Come on, can I story your faith? He did, and He will. You know, even when I look at the culture today, even this culture, present culture, our contemporary culture, is full of demonic snare. Is full of uh, what the enemy is, is, is doing in our times. He, he, he tries to oppress. He tries to steal. He tries to um, do the worst thing. He definitely has a plan for the next generation. And I, I cannot even imagine what this mother must have gone through. She must have been, uh, she must have been just horrified as she saw her daughter. Uh, suffer like that uh, just a little story from our own family um, some of you may have heard me share this before um, of course you know we have been uh, raising our kids in a uh, in a in a uh, godly household in a godly family um, but we had this one incident uh, when we moved to one city to plant a church um, the city of Nitra the the first uh, accommodation we had was in, um, in a difficult neighborhood. There was many gangs fighting and uh, um, there was a lot of um, oppression in that neighborhood. It was a tough neighborhood. Uh, later we heard the stories There was actually uh, some kind of a killing that was happening on the same street, just uh, around the same time. And so, uh, when we moved there, we had two small kids at that time. Uh, Toby was seven uh, and Adam was five. And uh, the first couple of weeks, our kids were going through a pretty horrible time. We lived there in a small apartment. uh, And on this particular week, our oldest son was experiencing nightmares, unexplainable nightmares in the middle of the night. And he woke up in the middle of the night. And the only thing he could describe is that he saw a demon in the window. And he started to scream, uh, shout really loud. And he woke up, uh, Martha, I was actually in our, we were, I was still moving furniture that week. I was not even there. And, and so she called me at the, like two o'clock in the morning and we are praying over the phone until, you know, Jesus got the victory over this. And it happened the same way the following night. And as parents, we were freaking out and we took authority in Jesus' name and prayed in tongues. But for two nights, this was happening. And we felt like we stepped into a territory where the enemy actually was having dominion. And that we came there with with the message of the kingdom of God, just ready to plant the church. And we felt like the enemy was just panicking against this. Uh, and, And there was this experience just for two nights. Imagine this mother saw her child go through oppression for weeks, for months, for years. And her own story is hidden. She, the mother, she must have gone through a horrible life herself as well. Now she's fighting for the next generation. So. Uh, It may be your story as well. Maybe you are experiencing some of that heaviness, some of the oppression. Uh, And living in an environment like this, in cities where there is so much pollution, spiritual pollution, so much oppression. The Bible says that uh, Satan comes to kill and to destroy and to steal. That is his agenda. So we should not be surprised about stuff like this happening. And of course, at the end of the story, we'll see that there is victory. Amen. So that is the second thing. She could not stop this. She could not prevent this from happening. Here is number three. Ready for number three? Her faith crossed over the point of no return. Her faith crossed over the point of no return. Um, So we read the story. And this is what happens here. She... uh, cries to Jesus. She says, have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is severely oppressed by a demon. And Jesus is quiet. Jesus is totally silent. He didn't say a word. And like I said before, sometimes God does that. And he's like, he's waiting. Personally, I believe that he was waiting whether her faith was an overcoming faith. He was waiting whether her faith would like shift into another gear. And if we're driving manual car, it's like at, at some time you need to shift into another gear. From, she needed to shift from, from the initiating faith where she started to pray to Jesus to just another, another gear. She needs to shift her faith, and it's like Jesus is quiet, and he's waiting for her to shift into another gear. And so this is what happens. She kneels before Jesus, saying, Lord, help me. I love this. Her faith crossed the point of no return. She came this far, and she's like, I'm not going back without my miracle. I came this far, Jesus. I'm not going home without my miracle. Now, friends, uh, this is overcoming faith. Like, I, I crossed the line, there is no more return. I, I went over the tipping point. It's no worth going back home now. If I've come this far, I've embarrassed myself already. There's no point of returning without my miracle. I believe that Jesus, he wanted to see that kind of faith inside of her. It was like, hey, if it was just me suffering, I can take it. But I'm doing this for my daughter. If the enemy is attacking my daughter, I'm not going to let it just, I'm not going to just look at it. I'm not going to just watch this. He is touching my daughter. I'm not, I'm not going to just sit by And." you know the expression that she turned into a she-bear? A she-bear. She was like this mother who was like a she-bear. It's like, you're not, gonna, you're not gonna touch my baby bears. She turned into this aggressive she-bear. I'm gonna protect my babies. Friends, I believe that sometimes we are too easily offended and discouraged. And we turn back without a miracle. We are sometimes too easily offended and we give up. Now, To be honest, if Jesus would tell me the same thing and what she, what he said, what she heard from Jesus, I'd probably get offended and go home. It's like, hey, I shouldn't take the kids bread and and toss it to the dogs. I would probably get offended if I heard that from Jesus. Wouldn't you? How many of us have already, uh, you know, just given up and we felt, yeah, maybe God is not listening. We get offended too easily before we get our miracle. Too easily, we get discouraged. We get offended by hurts, by different offenses, by rejection, by churches, by God, by leaders. Come on, let's be honest. She could have gotten offended so easily, but now she's like, I'm at the point of no return. There's no turning back. I've come this far. I have already embarrassed myself. I have already come this far and now I am not going back without my miracle. Now, what I'm going to say now, it sounds like heresy, but it's not. When God says no, his no is not final. Not necessarily. Can you take this from me? When God says no, it may not be final. It may be just a test if you shift to another gear and go to another level. From the initial faith into the overcoming faith. When God says, no, because that's what Jesus said, sorry, lady, I'm not here for you. You're not my target group. I cannot take the bread from the kids and toss it to the dogs. It was like Jesus said, no. But when God says, no, it may not be final. It may be just a test if you're going to shift into new gear, into higher gear. See, this story is incredibly important in the Bible. If at this point, this lady would go home, it will be the only story in the Bible where we would see Jesus uh, refusing to heal. It will be the only story in the Bible, the only precedent in the Bible where Jesus did not heal someone that asked him to heal. I'm so happy she didn't get offended. She didn't get discouraged. Are you happy? She didn't get offended. She didn't get discouraged. She didn't let her rejection take away her miracle from her. So that was the point number three. Her faith came to the point of no return. Now, point four. That's To me, this is a sort of a depressing point. Jesus was disappointed by the children rejecting his bread. Jesus is disappointed by the children, rejecting his bread. This is what he says. He answered, hey, it is not right to take the children's bread and throw it to the dogs. I feel a bit of irony in Jesus's tone. I feel a bit of a, like disappointment, almost like sarcasm in Jesus's tone. He's like, this is, this is not right. The children are rejecting the bread. The house of Israel that I came to serve, they are rejecting the bread. And here is a a Gentile, a pagan, and she wants the bread. It's not right, he says, to take the bread that belongs to the children and give it to such as this lady. It's like he is broken. He's disappointed by the children that are refusing the bread. You know, in the Greek culture, the expression, the dogs, were used as an insult. Probably today it would be the same. Yeah, <laughs> if you call don't go people dogs, it would be taken as an insult. But it seems like Jesus in the Greek here, he, he, he uses like a softer version of the expression, something like a pet dog and he sort of he takes the shame out of that he uses the affectionate term in other words he is not insulting her he is showing the irony that the children who should be hungry after the bread are rejecting the bread now friends i want to kind of like turn it to us now if you are a child of god this bread belongs to you can you say amen to that this is the children's bread. Whatever God has for you, don't refuse it. Don't take it for granted. Don't, don't, don't ignore it. Jesus is hurt here in this story by the children refusing, rejecting his bread, his best thing. You know, never reject the fresh smelling bread just because maybe the disciples haven't washed their hands. Like in another story in the Bible. Don't reject a move of God because of human faults. These kids, the children of Israel, they were rejecting Jesus' bread. And he is hurt by that. He, is, he feels the irony and the pain in, uh, of that. Jesus is disappointed by the children's bread. So we're going to go to point number five. But let me like recap. Jesus relaxes in a pagan environment, which is a beautiful thing. We are to operate in the environment where the people are. Amen. Number two, the mother could not protect her daughter from the demons. Sometimes we can't, we are exposed to the environment and we can't just protect that from affecting us. But her faith came so far, it came to a point of no return. Then we talked about Jesus being disappointed by the children who rejected his bread. But I love the final part of the story. She says, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. I love this. She says, yeah, Jesus, I'm okay with, I'm okay with uh, what you just said. But even the dogs... They take from the crumbs that fall from their master's table. It's like she said, Jesus, your children that have direct access to the bread. They are rejecting the bread and there is so much from that bread that it actually spills to the ground. One of those bread crumbs is enough for my miracle. Just a little bit of your blessing is enough for my own breakthrough. There is so many crumbs on the ground that it's plenty for me. I'm not going to be like one of those spoiled kids. One of those breadcrumbs is enough for me. And I'm not going to let any one of those crumbs just be left, just be there in vain. None of my crumbs will be left on the ground. I love that faith inside of her. I love that tenacity inside of her. I'm gonna go, Jesus, for at least one of those crumbs that's on, on, on the ground. That is enough for me. Now I would, I would go so far as to say that I would rather be a fed up dog than a picky child. I would rather be like this lady who said, yeah, I'm just, I'm just going to get some of that favor that spills from the table than be a picky child, rejecting, refusing, offended, acting. I would rather be just this hungry little dog like Jesus was referring to. Now, overcoming faith. Now, I believe that God is calling us as individuals and us as a church to shift gears, to go into just another level of faith, and and you you need that for your own life. Uh, you need that. You cannot just um, you cannot go into the next season uh, with the faith from your last season. Let me say that again, church. You cannot go into this next season of your life with your yesterday's faith. You need to shift gears into overcoming faith. Some of you got stuck. Some of you got maybe offended. Maybe you've been waiting for too long, you think. And you got, instead of shifting to another gear like this lady, this woman of faith, you got stuck in the middle. Between your request and your miracle, you got stuck halfway. But I want to say tonight, I felt God urge my spirit in this, that too much is at stake. Too much is at stake. It's worth it to fight. What did she fight for? She was fighting for her daughter. She was fighting for the next generation. She was fighting for her daughter's miracle. And friends, that is what this church is all about. We are are always fighting for the next generation. We are always fighting for those that do not yet have their encounter with Jesus. Too much is at stake. Too much. And I felt that, you know, God has given me such an urgency for tonight. We need to shift into another level of faith as the church. Yeah, in the summer, you know, we love the vacation and we kind of re- relax, but we should never relax in our faith. God is challenging us to shift into higher gear, to go into another level in Jesus' name, to uh, just stir your spirit with expectation to go into another level. Now, as a pastor, I'm totally excited, thankful, happy because we have seen God move in a special way in these last 12 months, 14 months. Beautiful story. I mean, just the little history of this church is a great testimony of God's goodness. You all are a miracle. You all are an answer to prayer. You all are just, you know, just. I brag about you. You are a testimony to me. You're a testimony to this church. You're a testimony to the power of Jesus. Can you say amen to that? They're also a test. But they're also a testimony. But we need to go to another level, church. And God is stirring my spirit just to shift. We've been like, yeah, if you drive the car, you shift into one. You start the engine. Or you first you start the engine and you shift into one. Then you shift into two. We've been into one. We've been into two. And God is shifting us to another level. Overcoming faith. Sometimes it would be easy, you know, we fill up the house, we fill up the room. Every Sunday there is people that, you know, they come hungry after Jesus. Every Sunday people encounter Jesus. But friends, God has more for this house. He is more for you, for your family, for, for your own story, for your own miracle, for your own faith journey. And also for us as the church. And I want us to come to Jesus tonight with the same expectation, with the same faith as this lady had. I came to the point of no return. There is no going back. I've come, I've come this far. I'm not going to just go back. I'll push through. I'll go further. I'll shift to a higher gear. I wonder if we could all stand. Yeah, come on. Yes, yes, Lord. we would be okay if we kind of raise our hands to Jesus tonight. And first of all, I want to um, just release uh, this wonderful work of the Holy Spirit. Because He's the one that can actually stir our faith. He's the one that He, he lets you experience faith and almost like smell the miracle before it happens. Some of you have been praying for long for your miracle, and you've heard like God is waiting. You've heard like God maybe even said no, and you have given up. And to you, I want to say that his no may not be final. That tonight he's, he's here and he wants to see, he wants to test if your faith will switch into another level, to the overcoming faith level. Yeah, and so in Jesus' name, by the Holy Spirit, I release the spirit of faith in the house tonight may your faith be activated in the house tonight and just for a moment let's pray out where you are let's just pray for a second just stir your faith in your heart yeah come on yeah all over the place where you are just to stir your faith just tell him tell him jesus i'm not going back i'm not i'm not going back I'm not reversing, (laughs) I'm not going to get stuck, I'm going to go through Jesus, I'm not going to get disappointed, I'm not going to get offended by rejection, I'm not going to get stuck halfway, I will push through, I will break through, I've come this far, I came to the point of no return, I will push through, Jesus name.